0: Hello everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrow with a very unusual news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, April 19th, 2018. This is the 23rd anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing, the bombing of the Mira Federal Building in Oklahoma City. Uh, I was living in Oklahoma at that time and uh, followed the events rather carefully and closely on television during that day and then in subsequent weeks as the narrative began to collapse. So I want to review that a bit today by way of some questions that still remain unasked. But I've linked an article that appeared uh, just this last week on a website called uh, The Automatic Earth. It was... uh, uploaded yesterday, and it's an article called The Civil War is at Home. I'm linking that because in the 23 years since the Oklahoma City bombing, things have not changed, and we are in a cultural meltdown. And I want you to listen to the words of this article and then Kind of use them as the background of cultural commentary uh, about the Oklahoma City bombing once I get into that. So I want to read just the last few paragraphs from this article, which is commenting on the fact that the West is already in a kind of civil war, culture war, a shooting war that has already begun. Here we go. We have an Emperor Nero, or early Robespierre government. There is no logic in them. No logos. When you expel logos actively, joyfully, you get the anti-logos. Pure random chaos, disorder, violence, and death. No one can work with anyone, trust anyone, restrain anyone, work together, or plan you get the reign of terror and the purges of the lion's mouths under the council of 10. And that's a reference of course, to the Supreme uh, Supreme Republic of Venice and the lion's mouths that lined the doge's palace in Venice, where you could put secret denunciations of people. And that would bring this to the council of 10, which would uh, hear and try people in absentia and then carry out sentences, you know, with, with uh, impunity. Kind of like the the Venetian version of a FISA court, all right? Continuing. This was well-engineered to bring down the United States in a repeat of the Russian Revolution of 1918, and it's going relatively well. When the people themselves have no order, it's hard enough to hold the people. But when the government doesn't either and fights itself while lying, there's less hope than ever. Because while the government can be reformed, it takes generations of work to reinstill logos, rules, law, customs, order, consequences back into the people. Sometimes it seems nothing can purge them of these delusions of theft and power but fire. But one way or another, we're in it now. The civil war is at home. Syria is just an example of our domestic war. Remember the Los Angeles Times reporting the CIA-embedded resistance openly shooting the Pentagon-embedded Kurds, two agencies killing each other with bullets. That went on every day before and since politically, socially, economically, and now militarily. The airstrike in Syria, real or fake, is that war, a war of order and law, versus unrestrained will to power, and that battle of Logos and anti-Logos is worldwide. And that's the context in which I want to review uh, the Oklahoma City bombing, which took place 23 years ago today. And it's important to remember that the Oklahoma City bombing was, until 9-11, the biggest domestic terrorism incident on American soil. And it's interesting that there are connections and unanswered questions to this day about the Oklahoma City bombing, just as there are about 9/11. And interestingly enough, there is a there is kind of a connection in all of this because the chief BATF Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms officer at Oklahoma City was the same officer in charge of the BATF at Waco a couple of years previously. So in other words, there are all these connections that themselves have never been resolved. But there's a few unanswered questions that I want to focus in on because these questions show just how deeply corrupt the leadership, in my opinion, of the West now is. Let's look at Timothy McVeigh and his capture. This was the first thing that struck me as very, very odd in the narrative because Timothy McVeigh, you'll recall, was captured speeding north of Oklahoma City on Interstate 35 between Oklahoma City and Wichita, Kansas, in a car that had no license plate, and uh, he was breaking the speed limit. Now, you know, This is like painting a big target on yourself. That particular highway is a very busy section of interstate highway in the United States between two rather large metropolitan areas. And it's like painting a target on yourself. Why would you, having just participated in a crime of that magnitude, go barreling down the highway, violating the speed limits, and with no license plate? Uh, you know, this is this is willfully drawing attention to yourself, and I found that that at the time, uh, part of the narrative that there was no, really no explanation for. Then, at the same time, another anth- unanswered question was John Doe number two, because of course, at the time of the Oklahoma City bombing, I remember seeing these uh, artist composites on television. There was a John Doe number two that they were looking for in connection with the bombing, but that. That picture of whoever that individual was quickly disappeared. Uh, they, they began to um, deny that this individual had ever existed. But clearly for a while there was an individual that they were looking for that does not look like any of the other major principals that were involved in the subsequent indictments, Terry Nichols uh, and the other individual out in Arizona. So John Doe, number two remains a very large unanswered question. But the real unanswered question, and this is where the pattern is so predictable, we see this pattern again at 9-11 when we're confronted with physical evidence in the collapse of the World Trade Center towers that belies any ordinary explanation that the standard narrative has to offer. In Oklahoma City's case, we were told that this concrete and steel rebar-reinforced cantilever building was basically destroyed by a 4,000-pound ammonium nitrate fuel bomb, okay, that was in a truck parked outside in front of the building. And if you look at the damage to the building itself, you'll discover that there is a column back in the second row of columns away from the truck that itself was fractured and collapsed. And that column, incidentally, that failed was where most of the damage occurred in the building. And, folks, there was a U.S. Air Force general by the name of Brigadier General Benton Parton, P-A-R-T-I-N, who was an ordnance and explosives expert. And he looked at the damage to the mirror building and said there's no way a few, an ANFO bomb could have done the kind of damage that was done. And he ran the calculations and basically proved that that second column would not have been hit with anywhere near enough force to cause a failure of that column, which is nonetheless what you see in the photographic evidence. The other problem with the ANFO bomb narrative is I recall very vividly watching the news feeds that day. ANFO bombs of course leave a lot of ammonia in the air and you see all of these people in and around the Mira building without any gas masks on. So in other words, again an unanswered question. Uh the pattern of the bomb damage here is is not typical For an ANFO bomb, just as the pattern of destruction of the World Trade Center bomb, uh, uh, World Trade Center collapses at 9-11, is suggestive of several possible mechanisms of collapse, none of them having anything to do with airplane fuel. Okay, so in other words, the narrative in both cases is a narrative that makes no sense and that leaves the... Questions unanswered. Then we have another problem in the Oklahoma City bombing that to this day has not been adequately answered. And that's the presence of Andreas Strassmeier, uh, the German fellow that uh, was looked for by the FBI in a nationwide hunt. He had come to this country ostensibly as a Civil War battlefield reenactor. He soon ensconced himself within various uh, white supremacist militia groups as a security advisor. He went missing shortly after the Oklahoma City bombing, even though he was at one point apprehended by law enforcement authorities, but then subsequently released on orders and calls from Pentagon generals and the then governor of Oklahoma, he went missing, the FBI attempted a nationwide manhunt, and he turned up back in Berlin, Germany, where it turns out that his father was Chancellor Kohl's minister without portfolio for the reunification of Germany. So in other words, this German fellow, who also incidentally turned out to be a graduate of Germany's version of West Point uh, and a, a German Army military officer, Uh, This fellow's presence in the whole Oklahoma City bombing uh, story to this day, to my mind, has never been adequately explained. He's just there as one of the very, very weird people that you find in the entire story. Um then there's another part of the pattern that if you look at oklahoma city it fits the pattern that was established at waco and again it becomes the pattern that you see used again at 9 11 and that's the quick destruction of the crime scene because of course they went in and they demolished the rest of the mirror building so that the only way that you can make any argument about the mechanism that actually destroyed the building was, in fact, through pictures. You were not able to do chemical analysis of the rubble because they carted it all away. You were not able to do any analysis of the concrete columns in, in the structure because, again, they carted it all away. So you have to base all of your argument on pictures. In other words, it's called the destruction of evidence, folks. And if you recall, this is what they did at Waco. Within a few weeks after the Waco incident, they bulldozed the entire area, cleaned it down, leveled it, and then posted uh, fences and no trespassing notices around the whole scene. This was done at at the Mira building. And again, we saw this behavior at 9-11 when they quickly carted away all the rubble of the World Trade Centers. So in other words, the pattern becomes more or less established by the time you get to the Oklahoma City bombing. And now there's a final problem that I've noticed over the years. The Oklahoma City bombing, as I say, has interested me because I was in Oklahoma at the time. I was watching the local news feeds as well as the national news feeds and beginning to notice some discrepancies between the two. But the really interesting thing is that the Oklahoma City bombing, in many ways, I think began to wake people up because there were a number of very, very good documentaries that were published uh, shortly after the bombing, in the weeks and months after the bombing, the interesting thing about it is that most of those documentaries, I'm thinking of one in particular called Murder in the Heartland. It used to be on a, a VHS tape documentary. Um, that documentary is no longer available, as in fact most of the early good documentaries are are not available. Uh, it's as if an effort has been made to suppress them or not re-release them. About the only good documentary left out there, and it's really not Anywhere as good as the others is a noble lie, Oklahoma City, 1995. Uh, This is uh, narrated in part by some of the people that were involved in the Oklahoma City grand jury. So in other words, there's lots of unanswered questions to this day here. And what we see, unfortunately, is a pattern that has not changed on the part of our elite. And I put that article about it becoming a shooting war that, that we, have, we have collapsed into a culture where there's no logos, where there's no reason, where there's no custom of law. And in that culture, chaos and sheer power reign. And I think these... Domestic quote-unquote terrorism incidents, which I view more as government-sponsored false flags, to be quite honest with you, that these incidents are at the heart of a a cultural change that began in the 1990s with Waco, or actually earlier with Ruby Ridge, but that have continued, um, because as long as the questions remain unanswered and the real culprits and I think we know pretty much who they are, have gone unpunished, then we're only going to see more and more of this until the culture finally collapses. And you do get a kind of Emperor Nero or Robespierre government. So look at those unanswered questions, folks. I, I know this is an unusual news and views, but this being the 23rd anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing, i really couldn't avoid uh talking about it and bringing it back to people's attention because once you see the patterns of unanswered questions destruction of evidence uh the the physical impossibility of the official narrative and the actual physical possibilities of the alternative narratives you're going to see some disquieting parallels with Waco, you're going to see some disquieting parallels, very disquieting parallels with 9-11. So that's it for today's news and views from the Nefarium. I want to thank everybody again for all the articles you've been sending. They are just, it's it's really getting very difficult to keep up with them all, but I want to thank you. You're finding some great stuff out there, folks. And please don't think that just because I don't mention you in the uh, blogs or articles that I'm not grateful to all of you for sending them to me. Uh, We do not have a vid chat tomorrow. Uh, I was contacted by Dark Journalist who may want me on his show tomorrow night, so I don't know if that's going to happen. I haven't heard back from him yet. But uh, watch his website. Watch watch my website, and I'll try and keep everybody updated. Anyway, that's it for this week's news and views from the Nefarium, and we'll see everybody on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless.